Father, we just want to thank you once again this morning. We just want to give you glory, Lord. Yes, you are Father who's interested in every detail of your children. You are interested in our ways, in our well-being more than we ourselves are interested. Lord, this morning I pray, Lord, even as we surrender ourselves to the teaching of the word, I pray, Lord, you would anoint each and every one of us to speak, to hear, to obey, to understand your ways. And Lord, that through the ministry of the word that you will prepare us, O Lord, even in our hearts and in our attitudes and and therefore in our behavior and in our actions. That Lord, through it, O Lord, we will be a testimony to this world and through it, O Lord, we will prepare ourselves for your coming. To that end, I pray that you would bless even the meditation of today's word. Commit each one of us into your hands. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. We've been looking at um, preparing ourselves for judgment. And we've been looking at the standards of uh, God's judgment. Uh, and uh, we're looking at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. This is what uh, we looked at last time. Are able to see it, right? Yeah. Therefore, we make it our aim. What is our? It is not our dream. It is our aim. Okay. A lot of people say that we have dreams. Dreams means that you're already given up that you will attain it. Right? I have a dream. <laughs> that means that's only a dream. Aim is different from a dream. Aim is that means you have an objective. There's a strategy. There's a there's a way that you want to achieve it. Okay. Dream means you can dream anything, right? Yes, a young one will see visions and dreams, but uh, that's different. We are talking about an aim. This is an aim. This is an objective. There's a strategy in, involved in uh, ensuring that we have this aim fulfilled in our lives. Therefore, we make it our aim, ambition, other translations, whether present or absent, to be pleasing, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And therefore, he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men yeah and uh again we also looked at for the time has come for a judgment to begin in the house of god looked at that last time in first peter chapter 4 verse 17 isaiah chapter 26 very important again the reason why what is the standards of god's god's judgment look at what it says in isaiah chapter 26 verses 7 and 8 the way of the just is uprightness O most upright you weigh the path of the just Yes, in the way of your judgments. It is in the way of the judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our soul is for your name and for the remembrance of you. And then it says, with my soul, I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit uh, within me, I will seek you early. For, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Right. So it is judgments of God are important. Why? So that we understand what, how do we have a right standing with God? How do we uh, make our lives well pleasing to God? It is through the judgments of God, we learn the way of righteousness. So we looked at um, uh, two important um, um, yardsticks of God's judgment last time. We looked at God judges according to truth. Second, he's, he's, he's going to judge us according to our works. Uh, we'll uh, expound upon the second a little more before we go to the uh, next standard of God's judgment. This is Romans chapter 2. Let us read from verse 5 onwards. 
There are actually seven yardsticks of God's judgment uh, in this entire passage. Uh, we'll look at all seven, but today we'll concentrate on the two, the second one, and then we will uh, we'll look at the third one, which is God judges without partiality. We will look at that next time. Romans chapter two, verse five onwards. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart or unrepentant heart, you're treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath. We looked at the, if God, the God's judgment is based upon truth, we looked at. Two important aspects. How deep is my repentance and how genuine is my confession? We looked at that last time, right? Remember the four things? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath uh, in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his works or his deeds. Okay? And then he he goes on to qualify what this uh, deeds are and how these deeds have to be achieved and what these deeds actually ultimately aim for. What are these deeds that God will judge and will give us a positive uh, judgment uh, when we reach onto the other side? What? Are, how do? How does a good work or a work qualify as something which uh, gives uh, is which is uh, well pleasing to God? Look at what it says. It qualifies it. Romans chapter two verse six. It says, "Eternal life." God gives. Uh, God uh, judges everyone according to his deeds. So what does he give? He gives eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good. What do they seek for? They seek for glory, they seek for honor, and they seek for immortality. But to those who are self-seeking, the KJV uses the translation as contentious or rebellious, and who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, what is what is left? Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Yeah? So, uh, Romans chapter 2, he's qualifying what is this good work. Let's read, let's see those qualifications. It is, what does he give? He gives eternal life. Whom does, whom does he give eternal life to? Uh, he gives eternal life to those who by patient continuance in seeking three things. What are they seeking? Glory. Second, Honor and third, immortality. Patient continuance in 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 seeking. This is very important. What is that? Patient continuance. Okay. Uh, when I was uh, growing up, no uh, sixth standard, I topped the class. Seventh standard, I went bo- bottom of the class, and then eighth standard somewhere in the middle, ninth standard somewhere else. So I I, I was look I was looking at my life. You know, there was no consistency. You no, know, there's patient continuance okay patient continuance what are they seeking for they're seeking for glory what are they seeking for honor and what are they seeking for immortality no you, you need to ask for the, ask this question whose glory are they seeking no? hmm. they're seeking for the glory that god is going to give them hmm? they're seeking for honor that god is going to give them and they're seeking for the immortality that God is going to give them. Okay. Glory, honor, and immortality. Why does God give them glory when at his appearing? Because they glorified him on the side of eternity. Why does God honor them on that side of eternity? Because they honored him. Why God gives them immortality? Because they lived a life of immortality. We'll look at what that is on this side of eternity. So let us qualify this. Let us see what is this glory? What is this honor? What is this immortality? This is Essentially, today's teaching. Three things. By patient continuance in seeking good. In seeking glory. So you see that patient continuance has got to do with our character. 
something which is already there in built inside of us. Uh, we cannot behave outside of that. It's something which has become ingrained and it has become a part of us. Patient continuance. So let us see what that glory is. Let us read it. It's uh, in Matthew chapter 5, very familiar passage, uh, verse 14 onwards. Mm. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, which cannot be hidden. Okay. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. This is essentially what God wanted to do with the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to make you, what, a holy nation and a royal priesthood, that through you, my laws and my statutes and my wisdom, so that when people look at you, they say, these people are truly a wise and understanding people. They look at the statutes and the judgments that you obey, the laws and the commandments that I give you. And when they look at that, when they look at the lifestyle that you're living, when all the other uh, nations of the world are working on the seventh year, working very hard and sowing and reaping, what are you doing on the seventh year? Taking rest. That's it. Resting the seventh year. Okay. What are you doing? The seventh year is set apart for God. And what does God, what does God say? I will give you Three times over, that for the seventh year, for the eighth year, so because you don't re, uh, sow in the seventh year, and also you have seed enough to sow in the eighth year, so that you'll get a harvest in the ninth year. You see, God is saying, through your life, <coughs> the people around the world should know that this is uh, wise and understanding people. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, therefore it says, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your what? Mm, good works. Okay. Good works. And what? Glorify. Your father, who's in heaven. So he will give every man according to his works. And what are those works, good works? That which glorifies father in heaven. Let us see uh, a little more, furthermore. Uh, let us qualify this. A few more verses. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. How do we do this? Beloved, verse 11 onwards. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. So how do, how do you abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul? Having your conduct or your conversation or your behavior honorable among the Gentiles. See, this is so important. Our testimony among the Gentiles or even in our neighborhood. So very important for us to preserve. Honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as what? What will they speak against you? They'll say these people are evildoers because they don't understand. Because you don't subscribe to their to their value system. You have a completely different value system altogether. That they may, by your what? Good works. Which they observe. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay, Visitation means when God comes or when God visits them. They say, you know what? This people, this people are wise and understanding people. And they glorify. They see your good works. And the glorified. Again, Peter says, what is this good works? Let us look at it. Let us look at it. He, he, he completely uh, talks about the behavior of a believer in society. Look at what he says. Continuing from first Peter chapter two, verse 13 onwards. Therefore, therefore, because they have to see your good works and glorify God in the day of visitation, what should you do? Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for whose sake? For the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme. Or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. So you see, you're, you're, a, you're a servant of God. That is the reason why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, it says, you have been bought at a price, do not become slaves of men. Recognize that you are slaves of God, you are servants of God, you belong to Him. So through your life, they should see the conduct that you, that the way you behave, especially in workplaces, so important for us to preserve an incredible, honest testimony in our workplace okay. in our workplace as hard working you know let, uh, let me tell you when you leave that organization they have to miss you for whatever reason they should miss you hmm? okay. not just because of the talent that you have because of the character and the attitude that you possess with which you worked hmm? For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for wise, but as what? Bond servants of Jesus Christ, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, you see? This is the life. So let us, let us look at an amazing example, which is one of my favorite examples. Just read it, okay? Just read it. It will give you, uh, what? It will revive your, uh, revive your spirit and it will challenge you. Just read it. Just read of uh, entire passage from Daniel chapter 6. Look at what it says. Daniel chapter 6. And let's read from verse 1 onwards. <clears throat> it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. Okay, I love this passage. The more I read it, the more I get challenged. And over these three, uh, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was the one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Look at that. Daniel was a person who always was working for the interests of the boss under whom he was placed. You need to understand. When you are in an organization, it is, you have to work for the interests of that organization. Alright? Whichever, wherever, wherever you're working, whichever company you're working. And then it goes on. It says, uh, <clears throat> Daniel, then this Daniel distinguished himself. Look at this. Out of the three, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because what was found in him? An excellent spirit was in him and the give, the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So he was observing these 127 satraps and of those three, he had three people who, whom he has appointed over all these uh, governors and then he looked at Daniel. Man, he says, this guy is always interested in the, in the, in the, in my kingdom, in my welfare. This guy is honest. He's, he's got, he's got an excellent spirit. The word spirit, you know, has got two, two connotations. Not only there's a character, there's an attitude. Okay, you have that's a, that's the spirit. We use the word, no? That's the spirit. Okay, that's the spirit. He will never shirk from responsibility. He has this in him to go the extra mile to work for long hours if if need be, no? And yet not compromising on his on his godly responsibilities. You see, he was he had an excellent spirit. That is the reason why you know King when he looks at Joseph, he says, "Can we find such a man as this in whom what is there?" The spirit of the holy gods is there. Excellent spirit. Okay. And the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. So everybody knew this. So naturally what will happen? Jealousy. 
See? Why are they jealous? No, look at what it says. This guy got, ex- look at his, look at what is, what is described about Daniel. Okay. All young people take this to heart and say, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I can be this man. Why have you given this example in, the, in scripture? It's because you're giving me an, giving me a type of an overcomer in Christ who by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God is able to live this kind of a life. Right? You should ask, say, Lord, if I'm a, if you're a young person, you, whoever is, whoever the, especially for young people, no, I, I really want you to, be, you to be encouraged and be challenged by this testimony. Look at what it says. Next verse. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Which kingdom? Earthly kingdom. <laughs> okay. But they could find no charge or fault because what? He was faithful, nor there was any error or fault found in him. You see, what is he talking about over here? It's not, nothing is mentioned about Daniel's ability. What is mentioned about Daniel? That he was found faithful, there was no error, there was no fault and he had an excellent spirit. That is the reason I told you, no? Talent is dime a dozen. But character, a faithful man who can find. So look at look at what they say. They never resigned. They said, "Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel. <laughs> this Daniel, you know what the word Daniel means? Okay. Dan means judge. Dani means my judge. Dani L means my judge is God. God is my judge. Amazing, right? The, in other words, God is my vindicator." God is the God who is going to vindicate my name. I never have to vindicate my name. You can change my name. You can call me Belteshazzar. You can call me anything. You see, that is the reason why you know what? Kingdom of God is people who are transformers and not conformers. What are they? Ah, Transformers. They transform themselves and through their life they transform others also. That's the reason why it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I think it was, uh, I just looked at a quote in uh, in one of uh, the chess websites you know, the other day. <laughs> you know what the quote was? If you break an egg from outside, you kill the life. Okay? But when you have life inside of it, what does it do? It breaks from inside and shows out life. Wow, kya baat I think it was Mikhail Tal's quote or something. Mikhail Tal or some, some famous grandmaster. <laughs> okay. You see, there was a life inside. He was not, the external pressures is not doing anything to him. Only the life, he's transformed this. And through his life, he's transforming others as well. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against him, against his Daniel, unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Because right from the beginning, they knew this fellow. Okay, right from the beginning, what is his testimony? I will not defile myself with anything which is coming from the king's table because it is against the law of my God. We are a testimony, consistency. It is what patient continuance in what? Doing good. What do they seek for? They seek for glory. He started when he was 13 or, well, let's say 17 or 18 years old. Now he's, this one entire dispensation is gone. The entire Babylonian kingdom is gone. Now this is another kingdom. I think 70 years of Babylonian captivity. 70 years is gone. For 70 years he maintained one consistent testimony. A man in the old covenant who did not have the spirit of God inside of him. I mean, in, in the, in the way that God said he will give it out, give it to us in the new covenant where he will write the laws of God in our hearts. But he still lived a life and he preserved a fantastic testimony. Look at what it says. We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against the 
against him concerning the law of God. 9420, if I'm right. Please, if you, Psalm 9420. I forgot this. I forgot to put it. 9420. Very, very powerful verse. Hmm? Yeah. 9420. Look, you know, you know what it says? Uh, you, you have the K, uh, NKJV, uh, brother, Dr. Luke. Yeah. What does it say? Yeah. Can wicked rulers be allied with you who frame injustice by law? Does it say that? Ah, be established, huh? If they, what do they do? They pronounce evil by law. I have fellowship with you. Hmm? We shall not find any charge against the, uh, Daniel unless we find it against the law concerning his, concerning the law of his God. So what, what do they do? So these governors and satraps thronged before the king. Yeah. Again. And what do they appeal? And said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. That's how they start. <laughs> <laughs> all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you. Yeah, this is what you call as psychophant symphony. Hmm? There they have to play the music during Babylon, uh, during Nebuchadnezzar's time, this time also. They are appealing to the ego of this king. Okay. Oh, king shall be cast into the den of lions. And immediately what happens? The king is on an ego trip. So he trips. Now, oh, king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Just, just read it. Okay. So, so many times you have to read it again. Look at what it says. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what did he do? He went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward what? Jerusalem. Let your light shine before men. They may call you evil, but on one day they will, they will, uh, glorify God. He knelt down on his, on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since. What is it? Patient continuance in doing what? In doing good. What is he seeking for? He was seeking for the, he says, I want to give God glory. I'm not going to change. Then what happens? The king, uh, so they, they were very upset. And then the king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of Medes and the Persians, which does not all. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah. See how they identify him? And you'll see this particular identification, this uh, uh, this tag is given to Daniel through the book of Daniel. That Daniel, who's one of the captives from Judah. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter 2. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. This is Daniel chapter 2 verse 24. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation. 25. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said, I have found a man of the Captives of Judah. Hmm? Again, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said, Daniel, are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah? Many, many, tell you, Parson, remember? Are you one? So that is how he's been identified. You are one of the captives from Judah. And look at what, what you know what Judah means, right? Judah means what? Praised. Praised. Okay, praised. The one who's praised. Romans chapter 2. For he is not a Jew or Judah who is one outwardly nor is a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly which is that of the sp- uh, spirit and not of the letter. Whose praises from where? From God and not 
man. So what does he do? He goes and prays, and all the satraps and the governors they come to king. Now the now the wise men, the astrologers have been brought in before that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation. You know that. So Daniel gives the interpretation. Again, Daniel chapter six. The king answered and said, the king is, the, the, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captors of Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes this petition, that his petition three times a day. He is doing it. Okay. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. Bah. <laughs> Every time I read this, you know, I say, why he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He said, can I do something? Can I find some loophole in the law? To make sure that Daniel escapes. And these men approached the king and said, no, they understood. And until evening he was saying, okay, just wait, wait, wait. Okay, let me just do some investigation. Nothing. They understood. Then these men said, approach the king and said to the king, King, know that this is the law of Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute with the king established may be changed. Okay. So what happened? So the king gave the command, he brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke and said, but the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve, how? Continually. See that? Patient continuance in doing good. You serve him continually. Daniel, I see your life. You are a person who serves your God continually. You see this, a Gentile king looks at the life of a believer and he says, you serve your king, continu- your God continually. You are actually a, per- a service, uh, you are an administrator in my kingdom, but look, I, I, I see that you are actually serving your God. See? You serve your God. He will deliver you. See, this man finally has faith that many believers don't have. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of the lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Then what happened? What does Daniel mean? God is my judge. God is my vindicator. Look at what it says. Now the king went to his house, palace, spent that night fasting and no musicians were brought before him and his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel saying, the king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God again, whom you serve continually. <laughs> like that, no? Whom you serve continually has been able to deliver you from the lions. And what do, what do you think? God is my vindicator, right? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. In other words, he's saying, O king, live forever means, I hope you will trust in this king who will give you eternal life. In other words, hmm? my God sent his angel, shut the lion's mouth. Why? So that they have no, so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. That's it. Any other story? Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the, out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Okay. Patient continuance. You look at that. Whom you serve continually. Look at this, this character, which is always there. He's serving God continually. And look at what happens. What do they do? They will glorify God in the day of 
visitation, right? Whom did God visit? God visited Daniel in the prison, in the, in the, in the lion's den. And who's going to give glory to God? These people are going to give, the Gentile king is going to give glory to God. Look at what he says. He sends the others to the den and we know what, and look at the statement that he makes. <clears throat> uh, then King uh, Darius wrote to all peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and, be- and fear before God of Daniel. For he is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. Alright? His dominion shall endure to the end, you see. So this is, what, what, what does he recognize? Ultimately, he recognizes that there's only one kingdom which is going to stand forever. What is that? It is the kingdom of God. His throne will be established forever. Hmm? So that throne is a judgment seat of Christ. And one day we'll all stand before that throne. So that is all the thrones on the kingdoms of, of all the other peoples, all, all the other kingdoms of this world will be removed. But that kingdom, that throne will stand forever. Therefore, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him so that our life in our workplace will bring glory and honor to him. And what is he talking about? He served God continually. There was no fault. There was no error. And he was faithful. He had an excellent spirit. Four words. Excellent spirit, faithful, no fault, no error, no charge. That is how you bring glory to God. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So, your throne, throne, O God, Psalm 47, 45, verse 6. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than ever. What is this, what is this kingdom? His kingdom is a everlasting kingdom. It is going to be established forever and ever. And the scepter of the kingdom is a scepter of righteousness, right? So this kingdom, we live before this king. We live before this king whose kingdom is always going to be established. And that is the reason why he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My words will not pass away. His kingdom will not be passed away, will not pass away. And what else will not pass away? You know what he says? Upon this I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this. What is that? Church. Church also will not pass away. My words will not pass away. My kingdom will not be passed away. And the church of the living God also will not pass away. You can do whatever you want against the church of the living God. It will not pass away. It will not pass away. Therefore, where do we put all our investment in? In the church. <laughs> because that is where God is. He is the head of the church. And his church will not pass away. I, I put all my investment in one basket. And that is the church. Amen. Therefore he says, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial. Which is to try you. As though something strange happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of what? Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Through whose life? Through your life, right? And then what happens? If you are reproached for the name of Christ, what what are you? You are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as busy bodies in other people's matters. Whose See, murderer, 
thief, evil doer, and busybody in other people's matters. All in the same line. Alright, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Okay, so we are called to suffer. And uh, through the life of Daniel, you see the spirit of, uh, that he's, that through his life, God is glorified. Yeah, again, this is so important. You know what God says in Numbers chapter 20 verse 10? This is Moses who was jealous for the name of God, was jealous for the glory of God. Uh, Moses was the one who stood, stood uh, and interceded and said, Lord, what will people think about your name? Okay. Your name has to be hallowed. Your name has to be glorified. Okay. And therefore, he did not allow God to judge the people of God. He said no to God. Right? And look at what it says. The same Moses in Numbers chapter 20 verse 10. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them, Hear now you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly and the congregation and the animals drank. But then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me. You see, you did not glorify me. Through your actions, what did you do? You did not glorify me. What am I going to do now? I'm going to judge you. See, I'm going to judge you. Hmm? Uh, this is what uh, the NIV says. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy, you see, or glorify. The word for honor again is glorify, doxa. As holy in the sight of Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give. You see, because you did not honor me. And you were the person who was so jealous for my glory, for the glory of my name. Suddenly what has happened? Again, you you know David, right? When uh, he goes to fight uh, Goliath, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What is he doing? He's not defying us. He's defying the who? The armies of the living God. He was jealous for the name of God. And look at what da- how God judges David in first, uh, Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And, the, and uh, Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of what? Of this deed, God is going to judge you according to your works right you have given great occasion to the enemies of the lord to blaspheme the child also who is born to you shall not shall surely die then Nathan departed from his house because you were jealous for my name right what has happened suddenly because of your deed you gave the enemies of the lord a reason for you to blaspheme that is the reason why it says in romans chapter 2 because of you the name of god is being blasphemed among the gentiles because of you all right. So it is very important for us to preserve a testimony before people. So what is glory here? What is he talking about? He's glorifying. What is this glorify? Our life has to glorify God. This is talking about our testimony before men, our testimony before men, our witness before men. That is the reason why Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, you are our letter written, not with ink, but written with the Holy Spirit on not tables of stone, but tables of the human heart. The ministry of the new covenant, right? You are our letter. You are life. Your life has to bring glory to God. Now, what, is, what are you doing? You're doing exactly what the Gentiles do. You, brother is taking brother to court and fighting over property. Okay. You should, don't you, can't you just suffer loss? And you know what he says? He goes on to say, he says, there is sexual immorality among you, something which cannot even be, that is not even there among Gentiles. What is it? What is happening? Because of you, the name of God is being blasphemed. You see? So your testimony before men is so very important and we do not want to take that lightly, right? Luke's gospel chapter 7, what else glorifies God? Luke's Luke's gospel chapter 17 verse 12. 
we know this very well. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that they, as they went, they were cleansed. And look at what it says. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And what did he do? With a loud voice, what did he do? He glorified God. Fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered said, Then they are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. You see that again? My life is for you, God. My life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, cleansing me. And he said unto him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made thee whole. He has saved you. Look at what it is. A life of thanksgiving, which glorifies God. Another thing. First Corinthians, this is what I was we're talking about. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality, he was talking about in the context of uh, sexual immorality in the church, sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in, in, in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? Look at what he says. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, which is and in your, your spirit which are God's. What does it mean? A holy lifestyle glorifies God. A life of thanksgiving glorifies God. A life, a testimony before men glorifies God. A life of thanksgiving glorifies God. And a life of holiness glorifies God. Right? Holiness. A, set, a life which is set apart for God glorifies God. First Thessalonians chapter 4. For this is the will of God. What is it? Your sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. Look at what he says, therefore. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject men, but God who has given us also the Holy Spirit. A life of holiness glorifies God. A life of holiness glorifies God. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. And what? This is what he's talking about. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we uh, we cry out, Abba Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we, what? Suffer with him. What will you do? We also are glorified together with him. You see that? And what is the suffering? A, a life which desires to live a life of holiness and not a life of sin. First Peter chapter 4. We know this again. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that you no longer should live the rest of this of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Look at what it says and goes on to say, for we have spent enough time of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties and abominable idolatries. In regard of these, they think it's strange that you do not run with the same, with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you, but what do they do? Okay? They speak evil of you, but what do they do? Once they see your lifestyle, they'll see, they'll give glory to God. Again, Romans chapter 6, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things which you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God. You have fruit to holiness. And that is, to end of, and end of that is what? Everlasting life. So you know that he gives everlasting life, who in patient continuance in doing good, what, what do they seek for? They seek for glory. They seek for honor. 
and they seek for immortality. And what is this? A life of holiness. How do you get this life of holiness? By submitting, submitting yourselves as slaves of righteousness through the teaching of the word of God. Amen? Let's move on. What else glorifies God? John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. We looked at it so many times. Therefore, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples indeed bearing much fruit, especially the fruit of holiness we were looking at, right? So again, another uh, uh, passage, First Peter chapter 4, verse 9, what else glorifies God? The gifts that you receive, which you use for the for the edification of body of the body of Christ, that also glorifies God. Your witness glorifies God, right? Your life of holiness glorifies God. Your life of thanksgiving glorifies God. And uh, the gifts that God has given you so that you can equip the body of Christ also glorifies God. First Peter chapter 4 verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one of you has received a gift. Why is the gift given? The gift is given not for your own, uh, uh, for your own glory. It is, it is given for the profit of everybody in the body of Christ. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do as, a, uh, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, who may get the glory? God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So you have, what is that? The fifth one, the the gifts that God gives you so that you use these gifts to serve the body of Christ and to love your brothers in the body of Christ through the gifts that God has given you. Okay, glorifies God. Amen. That's the reason why he says in John's Gospel chapter 13, verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for another, one another. How do you love one another? By using the gifts for the profit of all. Hospitality, gift of preaching, whatever gift that God has given you. To mercy ministry, mercy gifts, whatever, gifts of administration, gifts of hospitality, gifts of prophecy, gifts of teaching. Whatever gift that God has given you to love the brothers, to cover the sins of the brothers, to make sure that he lives a holy life and to serve it, what happens? It glorifies God. Right? So we have looked at five things which glorifies God. Second, what is this, what do they seek for? They seek for glory. Second one, they seek for what? Honor. <clears throat> now this is where the most important aspect. What is honor? Okay, this is important. What is honor? <clears throat> honor in the Hebrew is very interesting. Uh, honor is the ability to understand the worth of something and to will and be willing to pay the price for it. Okay. Alright? To understand the worth of something and be willing to pay the price for it. That is honor. That is how you get honor. Hmm? Like for example, you get a job in Microsoft. Okay. <laughs> okay. What do you say? It is my honor and my privilege to work in this company, sir. It gives me honor. And I see I mean, whichever other companies that I've uh, that I've got offers from, I forsake everything. Even if there's like, for example, you know, a uh, lot of people they like the name of a of a company, right? Uh, let's say you get a job in a startup company and you get a job in Microsoft. Which one will you choose? Generally, hmm? people who want to become entrepreneurs will possibly choose the startup. People who want to have glory and name, and they'll say, okay, all these things can wait, but I want to have the tag and the in my resume that one day I was a 
person who worked for Microsoft or Google or whatever. Hmm? So, the, you recognize the worth of something and you are willing to pay the price for it. And then you say, you know what? This is worth it. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 25. This is how you seek honor. What honor? The honor that God is going to bestow upon you. Why? Because you saw that something was worth in him to give up, give up everything. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 25 onwards. Now, great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, Hmm? and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also cannot be my disciple. In other words, when you look at me, you should find that this relationship is worth so much that I am willing to put every other, I mean, every other relationship is not important to me more than my relationship with God. This is worth you know, if you read uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, no? Uh, the question that David asks uh, uh, as Nabil, you, know, you should read the testimony. It's a powerful testimony. He says, okay, we've been arguing for so many years about the truth of, 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 of Christianity and the, and the falsity of, uh, of Islam. But what if one day you come to the conclusion, come to the conclusion that Christianity is indeed true and Islam is indeed false? You know what he's, what Nabil says? No, 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 no. Are you willing to uh, follow Jesus? You know what Nabil says? That day, at least two or three years before his conversion, he says, "No, I'm not willing to take the take the take the risk." You know why? Because my parents will be hurt. My parents will be hurt. I don't want to hurt my parents. But then you know what the the spirit of God begins to work on him. You know, if you read that testimony. Dream after dream, vision after vision, and finally has this vision of an open door, open gate. Okay, and in that, in the, through that door, you have a you have a banquet hall there, and David Wood is sitting in that in the banquet hall, and Nabil is outside, and uh, Nabil looks at David and he says, uh, "Why didn't you call me for dinner?" And you know what David says in the dream? He says, "You did not respond." He immediately calls him and he says, "I got this dream. What is he talking about?" And you know what he says? Go and read the parable of the banquet, and you'll understand what it is. You know what Nabil says? When I read the parable of the banquet, I found myself in that banquet and my friend inside. And God was speaking to me that I have to make a call. And then he gets converted. And then he says, you know what? I want to get baptized. And he calls David when he says, you have to baptize me. David says, go and tell your father and mother <laughs> that you have become a believer. Then he says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to tell my father and mother this coming Sunday you are baptizing me, period. And you know what David says? Okay, you don't want to tell your father and mother. I'm going to pray that they come to know. And he prays. The next day, he is there in his, I mean, they come to visit his, uh, visit his apartment. I think he's in the washroom. His computer is open. And all his Christian friends are pinging him on the messenger saying, congratulations in advance for your baptism. And his parents go and watch it. And they say, baptism? That kind of shock of their lives. And he comes out of the washroom and he's looked at, looking at his parents. Their faces have changed. And they ask, they ask him, what happened to you? What, what is this baptism? And suddenly it dawns on him that they have, they have come to know. And they said, mama, papa, I've become a believer. You know what his father says? Nabil, after all these years, I feel, you know, in, in, in Hindi, kaleja ka tukda, my liver has been drawn out of my stomach. Your pain.
pierced my heart. And at that moment, you know what he says? And he begins to cry and he says, Lord, why did you not save me and kill me? <laughs> why do I have to see this torture that my parents have to go through? And in his testimony, he says, you know what? Christ is worth it all. He is worth it all. That is honor. That is honor. See, all these good works is a testimony before men. But you know what honor is? Honor is the, the, the willingness to pay the price for Christ. And you say, Lord, you are worth it. You are the pearl of great price that I have found. I'm willing to sell everything that I have so that I can have, that I, so that I can have you because you found worth in me so that you sold everything you had to buy me. Right? Therefore he says, if anyone, what? Does not, what? Hate his father and mother. That is, that is, that is the reason why when Moses was said, no, when Moses said he rejected to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, do you think it's very easy for him to take that decision? Imagine the kind of emotional drama that was going on in the home. <laughs> okay. Not easy. Especially if you are from India, no? Mother India is very dangerous, no? <laughs> Mothers in India. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, look at what he says, intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost. Whether he has enough to finish it. Did you count the cost? In other words, what is honor? Honor means what? It is a life of sacrifice. What is a life of sacrifice? No sacrifice is good enough for God. That's what it means. That is the reason why he says, my dear brothers and sisters, according to the mercy of God that you have received, what should you do? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, for this is what? Is reasonable. This is a, you know, what is a reasonable uh, thing that you should, what is the, what is a reasonable price that you have to give back to God? Nothing. You can't give anything back to God. This is your, in other words, this is the minimum you can do. This is the minimum. You see, one of the things you need to realize that um, if you look at the entire um, Roman chapter verse, chapter chapter 8, talk, you'll see the entire gospel being expounded, right? And then you have 9 and 10 and 11 talking about God's plan towards Israel, right? 1 to 8, the gospel is expounded. 9 to 11, the plan of God for Israel is mentioned in uh, the gospel, in the, in the letter to Romans. And finally, you know what Paul says? He just cries out, he says, oh, the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his paths and his ways past finding out. You know what? One man of God said, theology has to lead to doxology. What is theology? Study of God. What is doxology? Glory and worship. Okay. And that is exactly, Romans chapter 12 starts, starts off as a reasonable act of worship. What should you do? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is reasonable. And don't be, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the bare minimum. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. In other words, count the cost before you start. There is, God will demand everything from you. God will demand. And you cannot, and like, like uh, if you want to move uh, ahead with God, you have to be willing to pay the price. Otherwise, you know, you will get off on one place or one uh, level of the elevator and stay there. No? You can't, you will not reach the peak. And if you have to reach the peak, you have to have very little weight. That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter 12, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, lay aside, what? 
every sin and every weight. Sin besets us, weight slows us, slows us, slows us down. Hmm? So, for which of you intending to build a tower, build a tower? Only Moses went and only Joshua was following. Okay. Every other person, they didn't want this kind of a God. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to, enough to finish it. Lest after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him. Meaning, you know what, uh, after a while the pressure is too much and he says, this is, he is, this is not worth it. Remember if you, there was a, there was a reading that we had several weeks back about this lady uh, who was there uh, in one of the African countries as a missionary and she gets, you know, her raped, literally, by the tribes over there, people there. And then she asked God, Lord, is it worth it? And then God asked her the question, am I worth it? Remember, you read that reading? Am I worth it? Is it worth it? Is that the reason why humanism says the end of all things is the happiness of man? But what does Christianity say? Christianity say, end of all things is the glory of God. And for that glory, everything is worth it because He is worth it. He is worthy. This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to have with 10,000 to meet him you see, honor is worth it. Okay, or else while the others, so, so verse 33, verse 33, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake, what? What? All. That he has, cannot be my disciple. <laughs> cannot be my disciple. And in that says, that's the reason why Peter says, Lord, we have forsaken everything to follow you. What will we get? You know, says, you'll get with, with sufferings. You will get glory. More. Double. Not only in this life, but also in the life to come. Honor. Honor is a willing to pay the price. Because you see the value in this person. Hebrews chapter 11. Our favorite, no? Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin by esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked for the reward. He looked for that reward and this treasures of Egypt, nothing. Nothing when compared to the, the worth of God and the, and the, and the honor of serving him. He is worthy, right? He is worthy. not look at this verse. Let's go to the next verse. <clears throat> John's Gospel chapter 12. <sighs> then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one who had sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very what? Costly oil. Very, I like that. It's costly oil. Of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. And what does what does Jesus say? One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for the three hundred denarii and given to the poor? I think other translations will use the word. Why this waste? Okay, why this waste? I see the, I see the, the worth in this person, and I'm willing to give everything. Right. 
Philippians chapter 3. Look at this, uh, another man of God. But what things were gained to me, these have counted loss for Christ. What are the gain? All the honor that he that he had, all the uh, what do you say, the the career tra- trajectory that he had, if he would have stayed back in Judaism. Hmm? But what things were gained to me, these have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as what? Rubbish. Uh, that is rubbish is uh, euphemism. Hmm. Uh, dung, penta. Telugu. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. You see that? This is the life of faith where you've seen the price. He is worth it. He is worth it. He is worth it, everything. And no matter what people say, this is this, there's, no, there's no comparison at all. There's no comparison at all. Ultimately, you never lose with God. You know that. You never ever lose with God. Hmm? Whatever we go through is just a, what is that? It's like an ant bite. Nothing. That's what I'm saying, no? Joshua chapter 15, verse 15. No? Look at what it says. Uh, uh, from there he marched against the people living in David, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiryat Sefer. <laughs> you see, and who says, Othniel looks at Aksa and he says, wow, this girl is worth all the risk. <laughs> Do we find Jesus Christ like that? That's a question. This man is worth all the risk. See, that is what honor is. You see, um, When a big a person who has nothing to lose gives up everything to gain some uh, to gain a person who has nothing to give, whom does he give honor to? The person who has got nothing to give, right? And what do you say? I'm not worthy, right? But you found some worth in me. And that's what we remember that song that uh, Peter and uh, some, uh, and uh, Pranith sang at the cross. At Learn my worth and my own unworthiness. Worth because of the price that was paid for me. And worthy unworthiness means I did not do anything to deserve this. And what, do, what is my response? Lord, I don't, I'm not worthy. That's exactly what that, uh, that centurion says. Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come into my. And after all that we have done, what, what do we say? We are what, what kind of servants? We are un, Profitable servants, we have done what our duty was. Unprofitable. Honor. Mm -hmm. That is the reason why Romans chapter 1 verse 14 says, I am a debtor. I am a debtor. Paul says, why? Because he paid all my debt. (laughs) Now what? There is only one thing. Owe no man anything except the debt of love. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to, to you who are in Rome also. It was, he is worth it. And because he is worth it, what kind of a, see, if I'm, if God is worth it, he has to deserve the what? The best. Right? What, is he, what should he deserve? He's the best. He's, he, he deserves the best. That is the reason why, what, what do we give to God? Our best. That's, like, that's like exactly the reason why in Malachi chapter 1 he says, the father, the son honors his father, 
servant is master, if I am your father, where is my honor? You see, where is my honor? And do you, what do you give? You do you give your best? And what does David say? I will not give to God that which cost me nothing. It has to cost you. It has to pinch you. Okay. That is the reason why never ever uh, how do you judge your giving? How much is left? Okay. That is how you judge your giving. <laughs> okay. And that is the reason why the churches in Macedonia, what happened? They, their poverty, in their poverty, they were, they gave, gave, they gave liberally. The poverty gave them, I mean, uh, inspired them uh, to give, God, give to God liberally, right? So I'm a debtor, both to Greeks. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Why, why is he ready to preach the gospel? Because, because he's constrained by love. Love towards whom? Love, love towards God first and love towards the people. Why? Because God is worth it. God is worth all that pain, right? Okay, Matthew chapter 16, again, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, what should he do? Let him deny himself. What should he do? Take up his cross and then follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. Amen? Amen? So we all have to be very shrewd people who will calculate profit and loss. Hmm? Verse 26, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul, for his soul? For the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward what? Each man according to his works. You see? Each man according to his works. And what does he give? He gives you honor, he gives you glory and he gives you immortality. How much of honor? How much of a price you are willing to pay, pay to God? That much of honor he will give you. Some people have given up everything. Some people have given up something. Depending on but how much you give up for God, that much of honor you will have. It's directly proportional. Hmm? Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not stay, taste death. We'll, we'll, we don't uh, want to look at that. So we have first thing, glory. What glorifies God? Your testimony before others glorifies God. Your life of holiness glorifies God. Your ministry to the church glorifies God. Your life of thanksgiving glorifies God. Right? And then what is honor? The willingness to pay the price for this man. I'm willing to pay. The best for my, of my life is for God. The best of my life for God. Alright? So the first thing, glory. Second is honor. The third is what? Immortality. Immortality. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let us see what immortality is. What is immortality? Other translations will use the word incorruption or uh, lack of what is this? What is what is immortality? Immortality that which is not corrupt in your life, that which is not corrupt in your life. Okay, glorifying God is a testimony towards others. Okay, honor for God the, is the attitude which with with which you have the the attitude you have in that you are saying, Lord, you are worth it. And what is incorruption? This is the the character. It's got to do with your character, which is inside your purity. Your chastity, your sincerity. Okay, this is this is what this has got to do with your with your with your uh, with your uh, character, which is inside. All right. So, First Peter chapter three. <clears throat> Let's read it. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden 
person of the heart. What is this? Hidden person of the heart. Look at this. Your people should look at your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Here he's talking about something which is hidden. This is what we, what we call as your hidden life in God. And that is the reason why in Matthew chapter 6 it says, when you give, given secret. That's a hidden life. So that, so that your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. When you fast, fast in secret. So that a father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, pray in secret. This is what we call as a hidden life with God. Your secret life with God. Your hidden character, which is something which is inside. Look at what it says. Let, 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 uh, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the, what? Incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. What is this? This is incorruptible. Okay. This has got to do with your attitude inside. In something, what, what are they seeking for? They're seeking for glory. They're seeking for honor. They're seeking for immortality. Now, this incorruptible beauty. So that's the reason why Paul says, "Our outward man is perishing, but by what? Inward man is being renewed. Is being transformed from what? One degree of glory to another. By the who? By the Lord, who is the Spirit. One degree of glory. Our light and momentary affliction is." What? Seeking for us a far more eternal weight of glory. This is the hidden person of the heart. Hmm? Incorruptible beauty, which is very precious in the sight of God. First Peter chapter 3, you know, he's talking in the context of uh, women, but this is this applies to all in principle. For in this manner, in former times, the holy men who, the holy women who trusted God. Now look at this. Uh, this translation, by the way, uh, First Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Let not your adornment, you see that? Adornment? The word adornment? The adornment, the word for adornment in uh, Greek is cosmos, from which we get the word cosmetic, or which we get the word world. Okay. Adornment. Okay, adornment. Adornment, let it not be the outward. Let it be inward. Let's move on. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God, what did they do? They adorned themselves. Where did they adorn themselves? Internally. Being submissive to their own husbands. What is incorruptible beauty? An attitude of submission. Not a rebellion. Rebel. An attitude of submission. You see, an attitude of submission very easy, is very easy to find out. You are uh, you are a person who are easy to work with. If you turn with me to uh, James chapter three, I, for, I forgot to put this. James chapter three. I want to. Sh- I will show you this beautiful, beautiful verse. No, we know this verse very well. But again, let us see. James chapter three, verse fifteen onwards. Hmm? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, verse. Uh, Verse, uh, yeah, verse uh, 14 onwards. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be, f- uh, and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from down, but it is earthly, this is unspiritual and it is demonic. For where there is jealousy, self-seeking or selfish ambition, what will happen? There is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom which is from above is first what? Pure is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, verse 17, full of good fruits, impartial and sincere, the word for sincere again, incorruptible, sincere, right, sincere, hidden person of the heart, this is, 
This is what we call as uh, a person's character nature who's, who's willing to yield, easy to work with. Are you easy to work with? <laughs> it's a very important question. No? No, no. Easy to work with meaning what? Uh, you're hardworking. That's basically what, what it means. Right? It, it means it, it means that you can be trusted, and when 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 given a job, you will be you will be willing to finish it to its logical conclusion. Yeah, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you what do good in patient continuance in doing what in doing good. What are they seeking for? They're seeking for glory. They're seeking for honor. They're seeing for in. Mortality, which is essentially incorruptibility. What is incorruptibility? It is the hidden beauty of the heart. The nature that God sees in each one of us. A submissive spirit. So when God looks at you, does he look at a submissive person? Or does he look at a rebel? Very important. Hmm? Very, very important. Because rebels are of the of the devil. They are not of God. Hmm? As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. That is the reason why he says in First Peter chapter 5, you youngers, what should, what should you do? Submit yourselves to el- your elders and let all of you be what? Clothed with humility. For God arrests the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you in due time. Amen. So this is called the incorruptible beauty. This is something which to do with your heart. So we have glory, which has got your, which has got to do with the testimony with your uh, 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 in in the world. Honor with the price you are willing to pay, pay for following God. And third thing is immortality, which has got to do with your character. Therefore, a life and a work which comes out of godly character. You see, godly character. And you see that now when Abraham is giving orders, Sarah is going and doing everything like that. Tuck, 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 tuck. Hard working. Hmm? In the kingdom of God, there is no place for lazy bones, right? And so in order to do this, in order to gain this incorruptible beauty, what should I do? I should strive. It's not, this is strife for mastery. This is not going to be, this is not going to happen in a day. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 onwards. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? What is this? What is this race? This race has got to do with your character. It's not, there are two things. You have to finish the work that God has set for you and also your testimony and your character vision inside. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Self-control. Now they do it to obtain a what crown? A perishable crown, but we for an incorruptible crown. That is the reason why it says corruption cannot put on incorruption. Corruption cannot put on hmm, incorruption. In First Corinthians chapter 15. So what, do we, what does he do? Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, does I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, bring it to subjection. I like the word subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I also might become disqualified. So first thing we looked at honor, glory. Second, we looked at honor. And third, we looked at immortality. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 onwards. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that exactly what he will reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap incorruption or immortality or eternal life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall also reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. You see that? 
consistent, continual lifestyle, a lifestyle of submission, a lifestyle where you are willing to sow in the spirit. Then, Second Peter chapter one. How do we how do we uh, get uh, this kind of how, how do we how do we attain this kind of a character? How do we attain this character, uh, character which is incorruptible? How do we uh, attain a character which escapes the corruption? We know this very well again. Second Peter chapter one verse two onwards. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called. Uh, us by glory and virtue and what does he say by which also we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped what the corruption which is in the world through lust so what is there the the fashions of the world everything is passing away but who he, he who does the will of god abides forever four things abide forever you know what four things abide forever the throne of god abides forever Second thing, heaven and earth will pass away, but my, the word of God abides forever. Third thing, the church of God abides forever. What abides forever? Church. Fourth one, the person who does the will of God abides forever. Who abides forever? The throne of God abides forever. So what should we do? If the throne of God is, is abiding forever, what do we do? Come boldly and confidently to the throne room of Grace. For what? To obtain mercy. Why? How does that verse start? I want to show you something. I didn't put this. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what does it say? Let me read it in my translation. Uh, verse 15 onwards. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who in every aspect had been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Therefore, you see that? Therefore, what should we do? Come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. What is the time of need? In the context. When we are Tempted. <laughs> that is the time of need. You see, why? What? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. After he overcomes, what is he? What, what will he receive? He receives a crown of life, imperishable crown. You see, we, we use the throne of God. We, we, the, let, let us come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. For what? So that we obtain. The grace and the mercy to overcome temptation for mercy, for falling into temptation. And grace to overcome temptation so that next time when we are tempted, we will not fall. Amen. So, what abides forever? The throne of God abides forever. Second, what abides forever? The word of God abides forever. Therefore, my life has to be in accordance with truth. Because God will judge according to truth. Third thing, what abides forever? The church of God abides forever. Therefore, where, where am I invested in? I am invested in the church. Okay. I don't hop from one to church like a frog. That is the reason why one man of God calls him Kappa Christavalu. Kappa Christavalu. Kappa Christavalu means hoppers. They hop from one church to another, another church to another. 
never stay in one place. What, what we call them Desha Dimmari. Means wanderer. Nomad. <laughs> okay. We are sojourners and exiles in the world. Not in the church. <laughs> Lot of people are sojourners and exiles in the church. Strangers in the church. But very comfortable in the world. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fourth, what abides forever? The person who does the will of God abides forever. What will, what is passing away? The world and its fashions are fasting away. Look at what it says in First oh, Corinthians chapter 7. Again, one more verse I want to show you before I finish for the day. First Corinthians chapter 7. Look at what it says. Beautiful verse. First Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7. And let's read. Okay. Right. Verse, uh, Verse 29, this is what I mean brothers, that that appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who are wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, as though they had no dealings with it, because the world and its fashions is passing away. In Telugu it says the Lokapun Natana Katinchipo Uchinadi. The world and its passions are passing away. It's very interesting. We are in the world but not of the world. Um, if you I'll give you an example, no? Uh, how many of you like sea fish? I like sea fish, right? After you buy sea fish, where is sea fish is in salt water? Yes. Okay. After you get sea fish, you cut it off and get take all the uh, gills away, everything, clean it up nicely, and what do you do first? You do salt. Why? It was already in salty water, right? No, it was already in salty water. Did the salt get in? No. <laughs> you still have to put salt. Okay. We are in the world full of salt around, <laughs> but the salt should never get in. That's the idea. Okay. Yeah. The salt should not get in. The world should not get in. And this is a major portal. <laughs> Okay, for the world to get in. Use it. Don't abuse it. Okay. Escape the corruption and therefore what? How do we escape? Because we have precious promises. The word of God. Word of God, which gives us the ability and the promises so that we can escape the corruption which is in the world, which draws us through lust. Yeah. The word of God, which stands forever. Then, how do we do this? How do we Get to come to this lifestyle so that we can truly bring and bring glory to him. One thing we cannot do it in our own strength. What we need is what? The power of the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel chapter 7 verse 37 onwards. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay. Jesus was not yet glorified. So what, what do we need? We need the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. The answer to every problem, I don't have wisdom, ask for the Spirit. I don't have money, ask for the Spirit. I don't have resources, ask for the Spirit. The solution for every problem in our lives is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of God. Therefore, be 
seek to be filled with the Spirit. And how do you fill, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit? By hearing from faith. By hearing from faith. God is going to judge everyone according to our deeds. How does he, what does he give? Those people who in patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory and honor, immortality, what does he give? He gives eternal life. So what are we seeking? Glory of God, our testimony before man. Honor that this God is worth everything. Third, immortality, a character deep down inside which God sees, the hidden person of the heart and we protect that. Because the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 4, it says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Amen? Let's pray. There is another set of believers. It's not believers. There are another set of people who say, who are contentious, the Bible says. Tribulation and anguish awaits them because they do not obey the truth, but they practice unrighteousness. But whoever those people are, whether they are Jew or Greek, what awaits them is tribulation and anguish. But glory, honor and immortality. Glory, honor and peace. To everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. To those who have the word of God and those who do not have the word of God. For there is no partiality with God. And to whom much is given, much will be required. Moses was given much. And therefore God required much from him. And then he did not seek to glorify God. Even in that one moment, he lost his privilege to enter into the promised land. And therefore, we are enjoined in the Bible in Revelation chapter 3. Let no one steal your crown. Hold fast to what you have. Let no one steal your crown. The incorruptible crown that God gives to everyone because he is going to judge people according to their deeds. Father, this morning, I pray Lord Jesus, everyone in the house of God, we will have an attitude like Daniel, O Lord. By the power of the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, Lord, you are willing to give us that attitude. Only you are looking for seekers in the house of God. For those people who are genuine seekers, who say, Lord, let my life count. That through my life, the testimony, the fragrance of the aroma of Christ be dispelled in every place. To those who are perishing, it will be the aroma of death. But those who are being saved, it will be the aroma of Christ. Death to those people who brought an allegation against Daniel. But to aroma to the king who loved Daniel. Lord, he never tried to vindicate himself. But Lord, he waited for the vindication to come from God. Whose praise is not from men, but from God is what your word says. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would find in each one of us the desire to preserve our testimony before men. In our workplaces, even in the church, O oh Lord, when we work, as you enjoined to your, uh, through your, uh, to your servant, to Timothy, when he, when he said, let your progress be made known to all men. 
Let your gentleness be made known to all men. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our testimony, we will be, we we'll preserve our testimony, a testimony which will bring glory to you. Even if people revile us, we will preserve it. Because you are worthy, Lord. Lord, we will be willing to pay the price because you are a person who gave everything for us. You gave everything for us. The price of your son. You emptied the bank balance of heaven to redeem us for yourselves. And what we give back to you is only a reasonable service. And I pray, Lord Jesus, in our in our church, in our midst, oh Lord, you will find people who is willing to pay the price because no price is too high for you, O oh Lord. You will find in us a people who are, who are willing to seek that hidden person, a submissive spirit, O oh Lord. You will find in us a submissive, a, 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 an attitude which is willing to yield, which is willing to come to, come into the submission, uh, submission of your word, the submission of, your, of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of the leadership that you place us under, O oh Lord. Find in us such a people and rot in us through the power of the Holy Spirit such an attitude. Thank you, Father, for this time. We come at this time into your hands once again. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory. Continue to, Lord, prepare us for your coming, O Lord Jesus. Continue to prepare us for your coming. Let us not take any of these things lightly, O Lord, even if you have heard it a number of times. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. See you all in the evening for the evening service.